Welcome to another podcast. My name is O, as usual. And today on my podcast is the owner of El Churro Shop, Aldo Rios. Peace, brother. How you doing? Doing well. Pleasure meeting you, buddy. Thank you for having me. Yes, sir. I appreciate you making the time to out of your taking time out of your busy schedule to do the interview with me. Uh, so tell me, how did you decide to to go into opening up a, a, a shop? Um, so I've been cooking for like 12 or 15 years. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like anything else Like you always have that dream of like making it or like doing something on your own. You know, play sports. You want to go pro. Right. For cooking yeah. is like having your own restaurant, having your own place. Um, but the reality was like this probably was never gonna happen, right? So, like it's I'm in the industry, I cook, you know. Um just something that you you, you imagine, you think about it, but you didn't think it was gonna happen. Uh but you still kept like you continue, right? You still cook, you do what you gotta do. Yeah. Uh but then all of a sudden through through the pandemic, uh I had I was still working at a restaurant, but like many people in the industry, many people with the restaurant jobs, they cook 10, 12, 15 hours or they're like really long. Uh, long shifts and there's really no work-life balance there is no mm-hmm. balance you know it's mm-hmm. a lot of physical work uh long hours um so when covid hit i had a flexibility i had enough time i was still working uh but my hours were reduced drastically uh so it gave me work. uh for a very long time my wife and a bunch of other people from my family and close friends would always tell me to do something for yourself like do it do it I never believed in myself. I never really thought about it. I never really had an idea of what. I was always too scared to like really make that leap or like really independent or like break myself from from the restaurant and like really do something independently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but COVID hit. I had the time. Uh, for some reason, churros is something that popped into my head. Like, I I went to culinary school and I've cooked for a long time, but I've I've always been on the savory side of the cooking. Okay. I've never been on the sweet side. Like I'm a pastry baker. Like I like I have knowledge, right? I have uh, certain. I know how to work with that, but it's not my thing. Uh, cooking is like actual uh-huh. savory food. It's all to, it's my thing. Aha! Uh-huh. Uh, there we go. Okay, so, so you you let me know already. Okay, because I was wondering, like, did he start as a pastry yeah. chef? Did he do? do he, okay. It's two different worlds, right? It's yes. two different things. You know, office yes. and different. It's two completely things. Playing the same game, but it's two different games. Two different, two different techniques. Two different we. Two, two different views. Um, but that's not me. Uh, I'm more savory. I'm cooking. Uh, but for some reason, churros popped in my head. Um, so I started making them. I started cooking them. I started giving them to my neighbors. Uh, they liked it. They were like, hey, you can actually sell this. You can actually do this. Like, I've never tasted something like this. I've never seen it like this. Do it. Uh, one day, I just worked up the courage. Um, I grabbed the table, grabbed the burner, grabbed all my equipment, and I set myself on 26 in St. Louis, some little village, which is like my neighborhood. Um, and I just started selling it. Um, after that, my wife made an Instagram page for me, like, she did the name, she chose everything, she helped me out. And we started sending them, like, to, like, neighbors and random people that started ordering them. And then I kept on doing pop-ups, and then that led to, like, more pop-ups and more events and catering. Um, and that sort of snowballed and manifested itself into the store that we have now. So, like, it's really cool to see that it was never the intention to have the shop, mm-hmm. right? It was just more of me figuring out my voice and just work up the courage to, to do something uh to like finding <clears> the spot <throat> finding the place the location like going into all the details of like rent and how much is this and the process of like putting on a bid for the place and all the requirements that you had to do in order to obtain the place um we went through all of that and then we got the space and then that's when we we're just like what are we gonna do now what should we do what you know, did is so we dope. Got, we got it 
yeah, yeah. So it just kind of happened like that. And we were thinking about just doing like just a regular coffee shop or something like that. But again, we're like we're not baristas. We never really worked in the in, in that specific industry. Um, so we're like, no, we can't really do that. Uh, but we got churros. I've been working on churros. I've been in the industry for a long time. I know how to cook. I know how to manage. I know how to do all these other all these other aspects of that, right? So we're like, let's just go for churros. Um, we didn't have a churro shop in Little Village. Um, we didn't have a like actual coffee shop there's places that you could get coffee and yes there's other places that that you were able to like get like latte cappuccino but it, we don't really have that culture yet here right 26th street from 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 the beginning from the arc all the way to, to costner like there is no coffee shop right we're not a legit standalone coffee shop we have all the other elements in our in our place uh but that's something that like we wanted to create that we want to have a space that we could get coffee uh, you could walk down the street. You could like get a funnel cake. You get a churro. You could get something made from it. You could sit down, use the internet, and have a space where you could uh, just sit down and work or have a conversation, and be with somebody, like just hang out and not have to go far. Um, a lot of times we had to like go to Pilsen. We had to go to Wicker Park. We had to go to Logan. We had to go downtown just to like get a cup of coffee or just to, like get out and like socialize. But like, uh, we didn't want to like, go far anymore. Like, yeah, we could do it in our neighborhood. Do it in our neighborhood. And that's kind of how this kind of came to be. Salute, because what you did is dope. And, and I like the idea. And as soon as I heard about it, I was like, man, I wonder if they would be able to make time for me, you know, and, and sit down and have a little conversation or let me stop by and film what he had going on and everything. Um, so in essence, kind of what you guys did or what you did was like a COVID baby in a, in a way, right? Yeah, because... Yeah. I mean, COVID was hard for a lot of people. I mean, there's always a lot of misfortune and a lot of like there's the reality apart from that. Um, but with that, you know, comes a rebirth, comes something new, something mm -hmm. you know. And, and in our situation, um, we actually got something out of it, right? Because my life was so stuck on the routine of working, which I'm still working the same, if not more, right? But now it's me. I'm independent. I'm doing it for myself and. And, you know, we have we we're doing it for ourselves. I have to get up and struggle every morning, like, but it's for me. It's for me. It's not. And 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 to that, me, that I feel like that's that, the best part. It's harder. I mean, it, yeah, it's harder because you can't just turn turn it off and be like, "Hey, I'm done for the day. Whatever happens, happens." You know, not no. It's continuous. Like, even yeah, that's, even that's if I'm baby. not here for like two hours, I'm still thinking about what's going on. You know. Yeah, that's your um, baby, twenty four seven. Exactly, but because of COVID, the reality is that COVID did kind of established this for us right they okay. gave us the opportunity uh the vision we saw the lack of and then ultimately what can we do about it you know cool. if it's not us it's going to be somebody else and somebody else is maybe somebody that like you don't know, like, come from that neighborhood from. exactly they're not born and raised like i live right down the street from my house from the, from the store you know i yeah. walk to the store every day you know yeah. five minute walk you know so i'm i'm also a product of the neighborhood like i know exactly how how tough it could be but this is also another thing of like showing my peers or other people around me, like, hey, you're from the neighborhood, you don't have to be part of the neighborhood. Yeah. I'm glad but you I, said okay, that. You know? I'm glad you said that. Let's go back. Let's go back because I grew up in Chicago. I am from Chicago. I'm one of the homeboys. All right. So take me back. Growing up, we all know that Chicago was a very rough place in the in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Uh, it was a fun place to be, but it was also it could get very grimy and dirty and, and, and little village and Pilsen and stuff like that. Those were not places that you wanted to be. If you weren't buying dope 
you know, you, you had, uh, if you weren't trying to get you a little fix, you had no business being over there. So take me back. Yeah, what did you, what did one you? Of those pockets. Yeah, it's one of those pockets in the city that like is, you know, infamous or like it has its own reputation. Like mm -hmm. a lot of people are like, we are wary. Like they don't like, you actually live over there? Like, like, oh, I don't want to go over there. Like I couldn't have like friends over for birthday parties and stuff because just because it was like a lot of people were, were worried about safety and whatnot, right? Um, but for me, growing up in this, it, it gave me like both book smarts and street smarts. Well, not book because of school, right? But like it gave me that the reality of how things can be. Uh, but at the same time, I saw a lot of generations grow up. I knew all my neighbors growing up. Like I knew them by names. The the one from across the alley, the one from across the street, the one on the left, the one on the right. Um, all the things that happened in Little Village that didn't happen in the in other parts of the city, you know. I mean, maybe some parts do, but like, but the water hydrants, the ice cream trucks, you know, the paletero man coming down, um, all the block parties, like all these other little things that like you saw the beauty in the neighborhood. Like, yeah, it's tough, but at the same time, it's not tough every day. You know, no, and, and that was a thing like there. it was a it could be treacherous, but you had to be involved with the treacherous shit that was going exactly. on. For the most part, our communities policed themselves and they took care of each other. But the exactly. only thing was, is there was there was it was there was crime and there was drugs and everything. But you did have fun growing up. You and know, it was like like the fire hydrants crime, and everything. Right? Yeah, it was specific <clears throat> crimes that you already knew. Either you're in the wrong right, uh, the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, or you provoked it, right? Yeah. Um, other than that, as a bystander, as somebody that grew up in the neighborhood, like it's actually very like it's homey. It's very like I find it safer than other parts yeah. of the city, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, ironically, yeah, like it was Once it was cool to to be outside. Like everybody knew everybody. Um, growing up, I, I did an episode on this one time. Like growing up, our social network was mostly the families like your mother going to meet my mother and then them growing as a as a unit and getting to know each other that was how we social network by getting to know each other's family and everything now this is the the, the social media area and they do it so much differently but back then you had to get out and know who your neighbor was and who your friend's mom was and it was a different type of responsibility because everyone was so involved so that's what made the communities a lot more close-knit and that's something that i really wanted to like like indirectly show and demonstrate that it is possible. Like, yeah, you could be from here, be proud of being from where you are, like, like do it doesn't necessarily mean the the outside view of like you being on the inside isn't the, isn't the factual one. That's not true, right? Yes, like, it, there is some degree of, of truthfulness to the way people see it from the outside inside, but in reality, not. It's it's quite lovely growing up and like being able to say like, hey, I'm from here. Like, yeah. I understand what, what happened. I understand. Well, what what are the the realities? But That's a fact. the other reality, the the other the other aspect, the other extreme to to the same story is this. You know, nobody sees this. Nobody like really focuses on this part of the 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 story, right? Yeah, and then and, that's and, I want to showcase and like be like tell kids and be like, hey, dude, I'm from I'm from the neighborhood. I grew up right here, and that. Uh, but it's because I want to demonstrate, and, and I have the love for the neighborhood, and I want to take care of my neighborhood. This is what I could do for it. Yeah. And, and you're not now, like you said, you're that guy now, like they can see it and say, yo, if he did it, if Aldorios did it, he he did it. I can do it. We all can do it. You know, we should all. And and you become like a guy that people can come and talk to now. Like, hey, you know, I started out here. It's never too late for you to start. It's just about when you start and putting your mind and your grind to it at the same time. Yeah, especially because a lot of these kids don't think about leaving the neighborhood. They don't think about mm -hmm. what school they're going to go to. They don't think about other than the day-to-day -day, right they they live one day at a time right so mm -hmm. it's today they don't really care about tomorrow but like now i'm just like 
you know, there's actual stuff that you could do. Like, you leave the neighborhood. Like, go downtown, get a job downtown. Don't get a job in the neighborhood. Like, not, but like, so you could see and break out of, and learn, learn different habits, learn, see different cultures, see different aspects of life, and absorb that, and like, always stay true to your roots. But this is a, re- this is a way that, figure it out, like, to actually think about what you want to do. Yeah, because of those those, tra- those trains and buses they go through these different neighborhoods, and you get to see how the different neighborhoods look and everything. You got you got to expand your mind, your horizons, and everything. It's yeah, you got to open up of- your mind, like your vocabulary, like change your vocabulary, open it up, like listen to the way other people speak. Doesn't necessarily mean you have to change the way that you speak, but like this is just food for thought. This is just food for you to like grow. And this is something that I want to like kind of showcase. Like. I, I'm from the neighborhood, but I lived in Mexico. I lived in Mexico. I traveled, I went to Europe, I did all these other places, being from the neighborhood. And sometimes you got to leave to come back stronger. And this is something that, like, yeah, I broke, but I came back. And I'm okay. still true to my roots. And this is where I'm, where I'm from. And this is where I want to do what I got to do. Word, word. So take me back. You grew up in Mexico. Was that early on or was that uh, later well, on? I was always born and raised here. I was always born and raised here, but... Um, I did. It got to a certain point in my life where I wanted to learn more of like me- Mexican culture, like actual true culture. So I gave up my job here. I gave up everything that I had here, and I moved to Mexico. So I did the opposite of what a lot of people are doing, right? A lot of people migrate from over there here, um, but actually gave up what I had here to go over there and live, like the actual like experience of living in Mexico, and starting like not having experience over there, not knowing about much about the money, culture, like stuff like that, because. You know, like you're leaving a certain system to go to a different system. Where? How long were you um, over there? I was in San Luis Potosí for about a year, and then I did Mexico City for six months. Okay. Okay. Cool. So then you so when you came back, so when you when you were there, were you there for the culinary field, or were you just the there? life, life, just experience, just okay. be able to get to travel, um, having, be able to experience different. Uh, just different events and cultural environments and like learn more about the actual language in Spanish and speak the way they speak, think the way that they think. Um, also learn about the food in different regions because it's very it's easier to travel in Mexico than it is here. Well, I mean, I guess here's, it's, it, it's easier everywhere, right? But just there's a lot more day trips or a lot of stuff that you could do in the immediate because it's a smaller country versus the U.S., which is like huge. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just easier to travel like by bus, you know, two hours. From where I'm at, in two hours, you could get to seven different cities. Mm. In five hours, you could get to nine different cities. Okay. So it's very easy to like have a day trip and like learn about a different city, learn about different food, uh, go to different like parties and festivals over there. So that's kind of like what I wanted to learn, and okay. that is part of like the way that I cook, the way that I think, the way that I'm like knowledgeable in certain areas of like the Mexican food or like my my areas. Like that's how I became knowledgeable in that. Okay. Um, and, and when did you decide uh, that you wanted to go into the culinary field? Was it always uh, a love and passion you had when you were young, or was that something that you... No, it started... My very first job, uh, I got hired as a barback at a restaurant, but I was like 17 years old, mm-hmm. um, which I was barbacking illegally just because I, you had to be 21 because you're serving up. But even though you're not serving as a barback, you're still in the same environment. Um. But I did it for a year, and then finally the the owner was like, "Yeah, I can't have you here anymore. I need you in the back." Um, because of the age, and then like, yeah, you know what? I, I really can't. Um, so he threw me in the back. He put me dishwashing, um, and I was okay. I was I was pretty good at dishwashing, and the chef at the time at the place he he approached me 
because he saw that I would finish whatever I was doing and not have anything else to do. Mm. And he didn't like the fact that he just did it. So he was like, I'm going to show you how to cook. Get over here, cut this, do this, do this, do this and that. So I started doing it. And he was like, I'm going to continue to teach you. The day that you show me no interest is the day that I'm going to stop. Mm. So he was like, I'm going to show you how to do all of this. But if I ever see that you, you're not into it and that you don't want to learn, I'm going to stop. I'm not going to waste my time. Because he invested time in me. He didn't let it ask and it asked him to teach me, right? He took it upon himself to like, I'm gonna show you. Um and what he meant by that is because the culinary industry and the cooking industry, like you need to be fully invested. Like you really need to be passionate about this. You're not gonna make money. Like you're gonna struggle. You're gonna a lot of sacrifice, birthday parties, events, like all you're these events that are very important, you're gonna miss it. Yeah. And you really need to be fully invested in this. Like you can't half ass it. Like you need to like really not saying that you gotta be the best ever, but like but you have passion, to be invested devotion. in it. Yeah. Yeah. Passion, devotion, and want is is a must, right? Um, so he started doing that. All of a sudden, one day I got I went to go reach for a pot or something and, and there was oil in it, and I got second degree burns on my hand, and they were like really, really bad. Like, like the skin melted off and oh shit. It, it was fun. You know, it was cool. It was like really gnarly. Like it, the 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 hand looked super cool, like like all the skin just was off. Um, but that was a mother's day, I forgot what year. Uh, that was on a Mother's Day, like around noon, right? One in the afternoon. It was still early in the day. Um, Mother's Day is like the busiest day for restaurants um, by far. Like it's the one day that's the busiest. Um, and my shift was early. Like it was early in the day. And that happened. And I didn't go to the hospital till like 12 or 1 in the morning. Yo, you crazy for that. I, I, I just wrapped it up and I continued to work. And I was crazy. It. Um, you know, I still like. I was like so clean. I stayed there to like mop and sweep and all that, just just because like it was it was my team. Um, we were getting crushed and we were so busy. Like that was just like that was my very first Mother's Day at any restaurant. Um, and it was just so busy. And I see that the, the amount that they needed that like well, let's just let's just power through it. Um, get to the hospital. Uh, first thing they tell me or like you're crazy. Like you should have you should have got here. Absolutely, right absolutely. Uh, but I, didn't, I finished my shift, and it was. I think at that moment was when I realized that this is what I wanted to do. Um, and I also thought about it like my hands already burnt. I'm gonna have a scar. I'm gonna see this for the rest of my life. If I'm already gonna do this or put my body through all of this, I might as well just follow through and see where I had to see what I could do with this. And I stuck through it. Uh, my hand cured at a hundred percent with no scar. Like you cannot tell at all. What um, you don't have no scar from that? It was just him. Like there was nothing. That's crazy, man. Like no scar, nothing. It healed at a hundred percent. Um, but then that's when I was like, yeah, yeah. If I if I went through all of this physically, um, let me see how far I could take it. Let me see where I could go because at that time, I didn't know what college I was gonna go to. Um, it was my senior year. I had five Fs. Uh, first semester, mm. just because I was just ditching and like partying and half the uh, daytimes and half days and all of that. Uh, but then I was like, I quickly like made it pulled enough credits to graduate. And the first thing I did was I enrolled in culinary school, right? Um, high school. Um, and then I've been cooking ever since. It's awesome that that happened to you and you don't have a scar from it. Uh, my mother, 
suffered third and fourth degree burns. Uh, and she yeah. she had a lifetime scar on her on the right side of her body. She it was burnt all the way down. So um that's crazy that you didn't have any type of scar at all. Yeah, and, and, and I, it might I don't know if it's because a burn was different, but because she had uh the 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 car blew up in her face, or well, the water heater blew up in her face right. on the car, and it just okay. scarred the whole uh, right side of her body. So they were pulling skin off and everything, and they didn't they didn't realize what they were doing until it was too late. So, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I mean, I thought I was gonna have a scar uh, for the rest of my life, but it didn't. It healed, yeah. um, and that's that's sort of the the point where like I'm gonna do this. This is this is where I do. Um, and I'm extremely grateful for it mm -hmm. because I, I am not, I'm an outcast. I'm not a, a nine to five guy. I'm not, I can't follow those, those norms of like Who working on Monday through Friday, nine to five, sit down at a desk, computer. Like I, I need to be physically, uh, physically, physical working. I, yeah. I need to move. I'm okay with standing nonstop for 12 hours a day. I'm okay with bending and bending over and grabbing hot stuff and cold stuff and sticking your hand in coolers and ovens and like all of that. I'm okay with that. Like that's, that keeps me going. The hustle uh, and bustle is, is, is your thing. Yeah. And I don't think I would, I don't know what I would be doing. Um, if it wasn't for the cooking. Uh, I think that's a, a very big point that I want to like, kind of like showcase to all these other people, like especially like young kids. It's like, there's something for somebody. Um, just because you, you you're not you don't belong in school, like you could be smart, but like not really, like, be have the patience for school and sitting down and all of that. Mm -hmm. That's fine. There there's there's trades out there. There's stuff out there that you could do that you don't necessarily have to like be part of society where, where you have to work a nine to five and computers and have to go to college and have to like do all the other things. Like no, like finish school, get a trade, work with your hands. Like there's all these other stuff that you could do, um, and then the kitchen is one of those. Um, it kept me busy. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I would work till like twelve, one, two, three in the morning. Mm -hmm. As a as a eighteen year old, nineteen year old, twenty one year old, twenty two year old, I mean that's a big part of your life. You want to be out partying, you want to be with friends, you want to do a bunch of dumb stuff. Um, but I couldn't because by the time I was off of work, the party would already be over. Everything would kind of already be over that it never gave me the chance to like really go out and be about. And not only that, but you had made some money too. Yeah. And, and it taught me priorities. It taught me how to organize, how to manage, how to like uh, prioritize your day, like like the importance of teamwork, like the, the importance of you showing up to work, like how how you being part of the team and you don't show up or you, you kind of cut yourself off or whatever, Um, how important, how that affects everything else. And it's responsibility at the end of the day, you know, it, it's a big responsibility. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's dope, man. I, I, I like what you're doing. I wish you nothing but the best of success, man. Uh, to hear about the shop and everything, I was like, okay, uh, uh, not only would I like to do an interview, but I, I got to go up there. I got to go over there, not up there, but I got to go over there and check them out to, uh, and see what's up with it, man, and check it out. Because they was like, no, it was fresh and brand newly. He just started, you know, he's like, the business like two or three years old so i was like oh definitely definitely got to support the chicago you know the hometown that's always that's always a thing for me yeah and it, i think there's a lot going on here right um and for many reasons i think it's not it, there's a there, there is churro shops out there there's coffee shops there's sandwich shops 
uh, but not really a hybrid. Um, and especially like being in a neighborhood such as this one, and like really trying to like do a lot, like really showcase more than the actual food itself. Um, I think it's a big part of us, our culture, what we want to establish and what we want to demonstrate, uh, as well as pushing the boundaries on what a churro shop is. Yeah. Right. Um, it is very chef forward. It is very chef driven. Um, I always tell everybody like there's a lot of temperatures and techniques and and methods and the way eating is perceived um is established by all these other elements such as temperature, textures, you know, like. Uh, combination of flavors, you know, sweet and bitter, salty and sour, like they're like just stuff that people don't think about when they eat. Um, yeah. and I think applying it in a churro shop environment is, uh, is pretty cool because there's gonna be people that really like just don't get it, and mm-hmm. then there's always gonna be that one person that like, hey, I I, I get it, I understood it, yeah. I see that. Yeah. Or we're adding stuff that might be of Italian descent. But like, let's see how we can make it. You know, yeah. we have a churro cheesecake twist, which is like a churro, like a twist. Oh wow! Uh, and it's stuffed with cheesecake, uh, but it's based off of cannoli. So cannoli oh, that's is like crazy. Cannoli, and it's stuffed with ricotta, and then uh, they put uh, pistachios or chocolate or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do it our way. That's um, crazy. We have an affogato. Uh, we have an affogato, which is like ice cream. It's like a root beer float, but with coffee. So it's like ice cream with espresso. And then we add a bunch of other stuff that make it like kind of identi- identifies as Mexican for us. Uh, but it's a, it's a rip off of an Italian dessert. Um, so these are all like things that I've learned throughout my years of cooking that are like, how can we change somebody's perception of food via a churro, you know? And I th- yeah. think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Now, you because you, you didn't have a culinary background, so you had to kind of like keep plugging away at that, right? Because... With, with the with the well you had the culinary you didn't have the pastry background if i said sure. that wrong so the pastry side of it you got to do pastry kind of like to a t because if you don't do it correctly you'll you'll fuck it up though right so did it take yeah. you a while or did you have some help like did, or was it just trial by error uh a lot of trial by error um and then it's just having some basic knowledge right um obviously not going to bite more than what i could chew and try to do something super elaborate i know i'm not going to be able to do it uh but at the same time, it's, it's the challenge of, I don't really know what, but let me figure it out. Let me do it. And if it doesn't work, why didn't it work? Oh, it's too much water, not enough heat. Yeah. Um, a lot of things is common sense. Cooking, I mean, it's it's mind-blowing how cooking can be common sense. There, yes, there's, there's, there's technique. It's super elaborate. There's super high-end fancy cooking techniques and stuff that I would never be able to do just because it's so out there. Uh, but it, but the base of that is basically common sense. You know, if it's too hot, it's gonna burn. If it's too low, it's never gonna cook. Yeah, if it's too, too dry, there's not enough water. Yeah. If it's too wet, there's too much water. So a lot of things is just common sense of like knowing, um, and just teaching yourself and learning. You know, like I got a bunch of culinary books here. Like part of my collection is here, and I always tell my staff, like just open it, look it up. If there's something that you want to do, let's do it. Even though we don't, we might not sell it. But I'd rather spend time and teach and like teach ourselves how to make it, because that challenges you now. Now that makes you think. That makes you think about flavors and techniques and all these other stuff that maybe you won't be able to apply here, but you could apply it somewhere else, or at least it opens opens up mind that maybe think about what's made, 
or even just yeah. Oh, can you repeat that last part? Can you repeat that last part? Because you you, you faded out. Can you repeat the last part? You faded out. Um. Yeah, like if there's ever something that they want to do, like you do it because that that that's where they learn. That's how they teach themselves of how to how to like learn more, right? Um. And then, like, if there's anything that they want to do, like fruits or anything, like a certain uh, something for Christmas or something that, like, hey, this fruit's in season. All right, let's do something with it. You know, I want people to to fully engage and really want to to cook and learn and not just be robots. Ultimately. Yeah, yeah. You want them to be just. We want them to be painters, right? You want them to perfect their own style when they're doing it. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So I had so my background is partly in the hospitality industry because I came up on a, a food and beverage side, but I'm in a back of house, right? So I'm do I'm yeah. working in purchasing. I'm getting all the supplies, the inventory, stock management, and everything. That's that's the part I was doing. But in doing that and working for the hotel industry, I had so much love and appreciation for what the cooks and chefs did because I got a chance to when when the deliveries was coming in, I got a chance to see all the food when it came in. I got a chance to see uh, when I took the food up to the kitchens and everything. I got a chance to see how they directly, how my what my service does, how how it directly impacts you guys in the kitchen and how you guys get to, get a chance to get to everything. So for you, when you were coming up in the kitchen, was there was, was there like a, a a certain dish or anything that you prepared, or did you just want to do it all? It it was it's ironic and it's it's really ironic how when I first started cooking, I wanted to learn like uh fine cuisine and like french and italian and european old school because i thought that was the best you know like uh before like maybe before 10 10 years ago 15 years ago like it just since then there's been a new wave of food right uh the food scene has changed drastically uh but old school cooking was always french right it was always like hate cooking uh french and, and italian and spanish very european uh, way of cooking and um, like Mexican food wasn't a thing that I wanted to learn because I was like oh I am Mexican I grew up cooking Mexican there's really nothing special about Mexican food and if I want to learn something about Mexican food I'll just simply ask my mom mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. that's my like if I want to learn I, I want to learn at home I don't need to like really focus and go to school for all of this so I want to learn more Spanish and, and French and all this stuff where where it is fundamental, like I think if you're cooking, if you're gonna be if this you're gonna make this your your career and like you you wanna live off of this and this is gonna be your thing, it's fundamental. I think you need to learn that thing. That's like the ABCs, right? Cooking. Mm -hmm. So it should be part of your curriculum. Uh, but uh it shouldn't be your focus, right? I mean, unless that you want it to be. Um so when I started kind of like cooking a little bit more, I was like I was in Italian cook uh, kitchens and like I was able to like kind of like work in the, in that area i was just like i don't really know much about my culture i don't really know much about my food um, mm. i know where i'm from i know what i ate growing up but I, but mexico is so big and diverse that eating mexican food is very different in different parts of mexico um and i didn't really learn much about that i didn't know that much about that um so that's when i made the decision of going to mexico living over there i want to learn more about my cooking on my culture um and now as growing up more of an adult, it's like I'd rather focus on Mexican food, cooking food, like my style of food, just because that is my culture. That is what I know most about. I don't know much about Italian or or, or French cooking because that's not my culture. I didn't grow up on that. Mm -hmm. 
I grew up on Mexican. I grew up on rice and beans and tortillas and all this stuff. So like, what I know, that's what I know. And not everybody can necessarily correct me because I have that nostalgia. I have that memory. I have that in me, right? So I know more about that. And that's something that I want to grow. That's something that I want to feed. Um, and now it's like I focus more on cooking Mexican food or like uh, parts of my culture that I know. Like, And I think that's why I opened up a churro shop uh, because it is, there's a lot of history and, and it is something that not, not specifically Mexican, but it's something that the Mexicans adapted and they have their own version now. Um, that's kind of something that I want to replicate, right? I want to kind of bring that, that nostalgia back. Okay, dope, dope, dope. Now, do you see yourself expanding or do you just want to stay to what you have right now? Uh, they, the, the ultimate goal is to grow, to expand. Okay. Um, does that necessarily mean one, two, three, five, 20 stores, franchise, and all over the place? Maybe, maybe not. Um, do I want to maybe open up a different concept, do something else? Yeah, I think that's something also that's also part of the goals, something that, that, Want that I want to establish. Um, but right now it's day to day, day to day. Uh, really learned this because I came from from cooking, from being a cook, being a chef, to like now business owner. Mm -hmm. Um, so your mentality has to change drastically, completely. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think right now I really want to get a full grasp of what we're doing here. Really like, like, define our concept and our views and like what exactly are we doing because. There's so much stuff that you could do out there that, like it, like you can't do everything at once, right? Um, so I really want to like understand this place, let this place grow on its own, and like let it tell me what it wants, right? Me learn my teach myself how exactly to allow that and to feed that and and do the best at that, um, and then maybe open up a second one or a third one, and then I don't know how far I could take it after that, but okay. I think. Yeah, I think right now it's like really getting this one out there. Our concept is pretty different from what's already out there. Yeah, in, and you're still in the, in the baby churro. phase, so it's, it's best to, yeah. to, to work on it. Yeah, in the churro world, like we're so new still, um, that we we are setting boundaries, we are establishing boundaries, mm -hmm. we're breaking boundaries, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so all of that somehow like it's still blooming. Um, so I think it's letting it do its thing and then once it's ready to, to multiply like let's do it all right okay okay all right next question name your top selling item so far oh it's hard to tell um really yeah it's hard to tell um but i guess overall in churros churro cheesecake is probably our best seller there Funnel cakes are our strawberry Nutella funnel cake. That is our number one. Wait, 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 wait. Did you say strawberry Nutella? Yeah. So we have, um, so we make all our churros from scratch. 100% from scratch is my own recipe. Everything that I like, I, I try to make everything, everything that I can, I try to make it from scratch. Right. That is my thing. If I could buy it, I'm not. Right. Um, so we try to make everything from scratch. We make our own churro dough from scratch. We make our own funnel cake from scratch. Um, anything we could possibly make, we make our own chocolate sauce from scratch. We make our own strawberry sauce from scratch. Anything we could make from scratch, we possibly try to make it. Um, but our funnel cake, um, they're pretty good, and 
our best seller is strawberry Nutella funnel cake, which is like your 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 ordinary uh carnival uh, funnel cake with powdered sugar, whipped cream, uh strawberry ice cream, fresh strawberries, and Nutella sauce. Mm -mm. I, I, love, I, I know I, I love Nutella, man. I think you got a winner with me already. Yeah, that's that's by far our best seller. Uh, for the sandwiches, we got paninis, um, which also is a little different from Twenty Sixth Street because Twenty Sixth Street has a bunch of like torta spots, so you get a bunch of tortas, uh, but not a panini, not okay. a, a different sandwich, right? Um, and we have we have paninis. Uh, so our best one is our turkey bacon cheddar, which is sourdough bread, uh, sharp cheddar, applewood smoked bacon, and then uh turkey slices. All right. We grill it up so it gets crispy on the outside, soft and warm on the inside. Mm -hmm. um, really, really delicious. Um, that's our best seller there. In the coffees, probably our churro latte is probably our best seller. Um, and then that is our churro syrup, which we make our own syrup from the churro sugar. So oh, it's, wow. you're, you're drinking the essence of a churro in, in your latte, right? Um, it's like, it's really super cinnamony and just like really rich and like really delicious. Um, that's our best seller right now. Our sweet potato latte is probably our best seller right now for the season. Sweet potato latte. Crazy. That's Crazy. our, yeah, that's our twist on the pumpkin spice latte. Right. So, so Mexico, we do eat pumpkins, uh, a lot. I mean, pumpkin spice is it's a, it's a mix of spices, right? There's no actual pumpkin in there. Um, but we wanted to do something that's a little bit more Mexican, a little bit more to our our theme of our of the place. Uh, and then sweet potato is something that is very common right now in Mexico. I'm not, I know I know it's everywhere because it's the fall, but it's very common. And there's this this ingredient called piloncillo, which is raw cane sugar, mm. and it just tastes has like a certain particular taste that is just identifies with its own. Um, that we make, we take sweet potatoes, we roast them, we season it with the piloncillo. So it has like all these warm, warm, spicy notes to it. And then we mix it with oat milk and we make a coffee cold foam that we put on top. That's crazy. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a latte that has a lot of texture. Because mm -hmm. of the sweet potato, there's a lot of flavor and it tastes just like sweet potato because it's natural, real sweet potato. Um, and then the cold foam provides a contrast. You know, that's, that's the same thing where I'm trying to head to. Like, it's two contrasting textures because mm -hmm. the cold foam is like light, airy, fluffy. And then the actual latte part is heavy, thick, not super thick, but it's like because of, of the sweet potato, mm -hmm. it, it gains texture. Um, and it's sweet and bitter, and it just kind of balances each other. And it's a really, really solid drink. And it's like, like our best seller right now. I would prefer a sweet potato over pumpkin any day. I'm a, I'm a sweet potato, I'm a sweet potato pie eater. You know what I mean? I don't know nothing about yeah. no pumpkin. I don't know nothing about no pumpkin. So you're drinking a, a sweet potato pie. That's, 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 hey, we on the same page, my brother. We on the same page. I don't know nothing about no pumpkin though. Not, not yeah. in this family, not on this side. We don't know nothing about that. <laughs> No, 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 no. All right. So tell me, what are the most slept on items on your menu? Uh, slept on right now. Um, I don't know. I think everything is like it's 
pick, right? Everything really gets that. Okay. Um, maybe your chilaquiles, Panini. So, it's like, I don't know if you're familiar with chilaquiles, which is. Oh, like, I know uh, what that is. That shit is yeah. fire. But so you said we, a panini. What? Yeah. So, in Mexico City, they have this thing called a torta de chilaquiles. So it's like a like torta bun, like a like a specific type of bun, and they put chilaquiles in there, and they put sour cream and cheese and all that stuff. So you eat. Imagine like a, like starch on starch on starch, it's just sandwich that's all super starchy. Okay. Uh, but it's, it's specific to Mexico City, um, and since I spent time there, like for some reason I had the idea of just like let's make it into a panini. Mm-hmm. So we take chipotle tossed uh chips. Corn chips that we fry in house. We make our own sauce. Uh, we put epazote butter. Epazote is a. It's I think it's in the mint family, but it's also called skunkweed, I believe in English. Um, and it's like super funky and strong on its own, and it really stands out. And it's a lot of people don't like it. Um, it's a it's a love it or hate, right? Okay. You love it or you hate it. Okay. Uh, but it's super funky. It's really really strong. It's bitter. Um, I think it's in. I think it is in the in the mint family. So it has. It's not minty, but it it has just a particular taste. Well, we make a butter out of that, but it contrasts with the smokiness from the chipotle. So you have earthy and smoky, right? And then you have Oaxaca cheese. You you press it, and it's just like really really homey. Like it's really heartwarming. It's a really solid sandwich. Um, and I think that's probably like one of the most slept on. Other than that, um, maybe our churro split, probably another one. Okay. Uh, so that's like our take on a banana split. So instead of it's so it's a three ice creams, all your traditional toppings, uh, but instead of a banana, we put churros on there. Um, it's just another play on on a classic American dish. Um, but I think that's also that's maybe something that's been slept on. That's pretty really good. All right, cool, cool. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have been talking to Aldorios, owner of El Chorro Shop. Give them the address, your information, where they can find it, all that stuff, man. So we're located at 3536 West 26th Street in Chicago, Illinois. That is approximately 26 in Drake. Uh, we're in Little Village. Um, I am the chef owner. This is a place that we want to really welcome everybody and give them a space that come out and try us. Um, Anything we make, we make from scratch. We try to make as much as possible from scratch. Uh, it's a very chef-driven place. Um, there's a lot of culture, a lot of tradition here. We really want to touch on on culture, tradition, and more than anything, just introduce you to like different aspects of our churro world, of what we could establish with churros. Uh, besides that, we also have funnel cakes. We have coffee. We have milkshakes. Um, we have a little bit of everything. Um, we always have seasonal specials. We always do some for the season. Uh, stuff that we probably won't put on the menu ever again just because it's for the season and it was created just for that for that time but uh, it's something that we really want to invite everybody and give us a try and just snack on some churros yes sir yes sir i will be there to check it out but i gotta be careful because it sounds like you're gonna send me into a diabetic coma and i got to avoid that so ladies and gentlemen this has been oh, one dish they also gotta try oh and one dish they also gotta try it's a, a fried chicken sandwich. See, I, I I'm not gonna even I can't even fuck around, man. Now you playing. <laughs> now you playing a, games. It's a really cool sandwich. So it's a it's a brioche bun, toasted, mm. 
Uh, we take chicken cutlets. We we uh, marinate them in buttermilk, hot sauce, onions, like all these other aromatics. Uh, we bread it with our own sour bread, uh, sour breadcrumbs that we make in house. Uh, we we dry our own bread. We we crumble. We we ground our own bread. We make our own breadcrumbs. We season it ourselves. Uh, we fry it. We top it off with provolone cheese. Uh, we do arugula. And then the best part of the sandwich that makes it is the champagne aioli. Wait, you say sh- you say wait wait you say champ you bro- you broke up. Did you say champagne aioli? Champagne aioli, and this that is, is what is like ridiculous. makes that's what makes the sandwich. Is like it, that's the best part of the sandwich. Oh wow, oh wow. So we gonna <laughs> end it there because I'm I'm getting hungry. Uh, and. I need to rinse myself off after hearing that. That sounds that sounds delicious. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Aldorios, owner of El Churro Shop. Remember the mission statement when you're striving for greatness. God never puts you in the driver's seat if it's thank if it's taken. I messed up on my own uh motto and slogan. I appreciate you for joining me. Have a good night. Um uh, thanks for, for thanks for the opportunity to interview. I will be out to see you soon. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for uh, letting us talk about our spot. Yes, sir, brother. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye.